0: This episode of the Artsy Podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. Artists, photographers, and designers of all kinds have used Squarespace to showcase their works, and you can do it too. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch your site and show your work to the world, use the offer code artsy to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's offer code artsy, A-R-T-S-Y. Hello, and welcome to the Artsy Podcast. I'm your host, Isaac Kaplan, joined this week by Deputy Editor Scott Indrasek. Hello, Isaac. Hey, Scott. And special guest, musician and songwriter Aaron Lammer, who's also the host of a podcast called Stoner, and stop me if I'm getting this wrong, in which creative people talk about their experiences with marijuana. Is that a good description? That's a great description. Um, So as you might have guessed from Aaron's presence here, we are going to be talking about the relationship between marijuana and creativity. This was the subject of an article that our colleague Alexa Gotthardt wrote in November, and it's also become the stuff of political football now with uh, the Trump administration ending an Obama-era policy that instructed prosecutors to refrain from bringing drug charges in states with legal marijuana laws. That happened in January. So Aaron, I guess you're our resident expert here on this one. You've interviewed a lot of people about the relationship between pot and creativity how would you kind of for back of it or like summarize what have you sort of found on this, on this journey? Well, um,
1: you know, the people that I've interviewed for the show are come from really different backgrounds um, from people who are full-time artists to people who work within the marijuana industry, but might, you know, be an artist on the side or something like that. So like if I were to summarize the first season of stoner interviews, it would be that um, people's experiences are really different and unique. um, Just like, Art itself, or creativity itself, and that um, people have totally different practices, totally different relationships with marijuana, and a lot of it, I think, it uh, comes down to what their journey has been. Whether you know you're someone who started in high school and then gave it up, and you're coming back to it because there's legal weed in California now, or you're someone who's been smoking every day for you you know since you were a teenager. All of these things kind of have like different implications, and I've found that that people have the most enjoyable experiences um, when they know the most and when they're in the most uh, calm and uh, concentrated uh, environment, basically. So, you know, I think it's, it's not dissimilar to the experience of making art. Um, You're trying to control sort of how
2: your brain's working, I guess. When you said uh, people's practices, you were, were you referring to their art practices or their, their pot? Both practice. Both. I mean, I I do think that people end up in patterns. Um, Some
1: people, would tell me, you know, I like to get a bunch of work done and at about four, I'll like smoke a joint, kind of change gears. And I, then I like work on my art or whatever. Um, there's other people who are like, I only do it like twice a year and have this like completely tripped out journey and write down everything. I think, Mm -hmm. um, like really the whole spectrum, like lots of things that I would have not expected.
0: Yeah. I mean, even just hearing that it's like, I have a lot of work to do, so I'm going to smoke a joint. It's like, uh, that's Not, I don't think, that the relationship people typically think of.
1: Well, I mean, we're in the middle of a bit of a weed wave in this country. And while I think that would be, like, not an acceptable position if you're, like, working on Wall Street right now, if you're a graphic designer in L.A., that might not be the craziest Mm. uh, thing to tell someone, you know, that you, like, have an espresso and, like, half a joint in the morning and fire up your laptop. So, um, But all of those kinds of little... Changes have these like massive uh, repercussions when they're played uh, uh, at large in society. Like I personally think a lot about music venues. You know, Music venues are basically a place to sell beer that happens to have live music at them. Um, and that's because alcohol is like the driving entertainment force and commerce force for nightlife in our country. If a huge portion of the country starts enjoying marijuana instead of alcohol, how different would a concert going experience be? You start like playing with these little things and it sort of ripples out. That's mm. kind of how I've been looking at it.
2: How do you feel that, you know, I feel like pot is an interesting thing where pot smokers tend to get lumped into one category, which is maybe even summarized by the, the title of the podcast. Like everyone who smokes pot is just a stoner. I and mean, right. Everyone's got an image of what that means. And in a way, you know, a lot of people drink in many different ways, right? Socially, whatever. But if you were to say, oh yeah, if I were to say Isaac's a, he's a drinker, that <laughs> would mean like he's probably got a problem. He Yes maybe drinking in the morning. He's drinking all the time. You know, it I'm would not be, right a now, good, so. <laughs> could not be a good uh, way of categorizing him. But do you, do you feel like there's still these kind of cliches that exist that everyone's like, oh, you smoke pot, you're this way. Definitely like that judgment is
1: still there. You know, it was controversial for me to call the show that there was people who were like, don't call the show that like you're no one's going to want to listen to it. No one wants to be a stoner. And unfortunately, there's no other word to describe people who smoke weed than stoners. But I, I agree with you. I don't think that being a stoner and an alcoholic are necessarily one-to-one I think of a stoner as just someone who's interested in or enjoys um, marijuana so I think of a little bit like words like nerd where like using computers and you know um, being interested in like hacking was like not a positive thing to say about someone at a specific um, period of time but people have kind of reclaimed the word and have used it to describe um, an enthusiasm for not just like computers, but a whole culture. And to me, like stoner culture goes way beyond weed. It has to do with entertainment and it has to do with politics and ethics and all of these sort of um, disparate fields. So I'm not sure we're exactly there yet, but that is the direction I see that word going.
0: And I'm kind of curious, do you find, because I do think Scott's right, like the word stoner Kind of lumps a lot of people together, but also I'm curious if there are people who listen to your podcast who don't smoke weed at all but are really interested in. It. Have you have you heard yeah, from those we, listeners? Yeah, I,
1: I definitely have. I, I'm actually surprised how many of those listeners there are out there. Um, I I even you know I've, I I come across people who are like, yeah, it sucks. I've had I have a really bad reaction to marijuana, and therefore I don't smoke it. But I'm still like really curious about it, and I've been following it. And I, I'm actually consistently surprised. Sometimes people will be like, I love the show, and i will be like oh, you listen to the show? You should
0: totally come on the show. And they're like, I ah, don't smoke weed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but it is interesting to think about this because it is, there are quite a few people who are studying the effects of marijuana on creativity, you know, whatever creativity means you know, in a sort of broader... Yeah, that's always
2: the problem I have wrapping my own head around. Like, creativity is a word that gets used so often, but I feel like if you sat down 30 people yeah. and said, what's your definition of creativity? It would be wildly
1: different i I use it exactly in the same kind of shorthand which is like people are like "Oh, i don't have that much to say about creativity i'm just like you doing what you do like uh you could call it your job but like i don't know some people who are painters maybe don't think of painting as their job i'm really interested in in what people do all day it doesn't necessarily matter that the world i think you know being a biologist is just as much a creative field as a painter so i use creative just to sort of, um, suggest the idea of, uh, the expansion of the mind and, uh, being interested and passionate about something.
0: No, it's interesting. Alexa talks to a neurologist in her article who talks about how there's a connection between, and obviously, you know, everything is with a caveat that you shouldn't necessarily just go out there and smoke a bunch of weed and expect to become a great artist, but there's there's a connection between smoking marijuana and, Uh, An increase in your frontal lobe, which is where creativity lies, according to this neurologist. So so it is interesting to sort of see the intersection between kind of almost like oral histories, which is kind of what you're maybe what you're doing more. And and scientists who are putting people under an MRI and being like, here's what's going on in your brain. This is your brain on drugs.
1: Well, and and some of the stuff that's happening on the other end of the scientific spectrum, which is in in the study of the um, botany of marijuana itself. I think we'll get even more specific than that, where um, they're basically starting to break down what used to be just these sort of crude sativa versus indica kind of um, distinctions. And actually looking into these, I guess I can describe them as smell molecules. They're basically what powers different uh, olfactory responses in the brain. And it's believed that those are linked to different psychoactive properties within marijuana. Um, and that would explain why someone would say, "Well, that strain is like great for creativity or right. whatever." It's actually, well, it's these six different, um, and that's also why, like, you know, people will say, like, "Oh, I like like um, like a blueberry kind of strain." The blueberry actually may be linked to how your brain hmm. reacts to it. Um, so I think as we go further and further you know, sort of along the lines of what I guess were described as designer drugs when they were made by the pharmaceutical industry, um, I think that provoking specific reactions will be like kind of the next frontier. Um, And you already see that with if you go to California or you go to Denver, uh, you see like 200 strains for sale and it's all very hard to navigate. And I don't necessarily think that you're going to be able to do this by going to a dispensary like in the near future. But um, certainly the science is at least curious about it. Um, And we're really just scratching the surface because there's so such little um, true scientific testing in America that it's going to be hard to figure a lot of this stuff out because medicine doesn't really have access to
2: it. That's really fascinating to me just because I think pot is one of these weird drugs where almost everyone I would say who starts when they start smoking at whatever a younger age in college you just think of it as one thing you go oh, yeah i yeah. just bought some pot and not differentiate how much what type so it's um i mean look if you're buying it in new york
1: city you usually
2: s- still almost have an experience like that <laughs> but um, there are <laughs>
1: places in the world yeah and i think that's like you know that's cool in like its own way you know like uh the random grab bag experience can be like sort of as profound and i think a lot of people who who do use weed creatively kind of use it to to throw that kind of random variable onto their own creative process or whatever to hopefully find something
2: new, I guess. How, how mindful have you found people to be? I was just listening to the interview you did with um, Tao Lin, who I think probably more so than most people is like, he was talking about having a spreadsheet, basically, like yeah. very methodically taking into account all sorts of things yes. in addition to marijuana um he's the only person i found that's has done that the spreadsheet kind of
1: thing. but i'm looking if you're What's the if, spreadsheet it's a little bit like the way that like when people have new babies they track like every bowel movement the baby <laughs> has so he tracks every time he he um smokes marijuana he tracks also like what food he had eaten and how much water he had and around then but i mean that's just sort of the way that he approaches life in general uh i, I haven't encountered a ton of people who bringing that level of passion to the game
2: the other the other side of this too is obviously there's uh pot and creativity as, as far as people who are making art making music making films but as far as um you know people who are in a bit more passive just going to a museum sure going to a concert do you feel like i mean are you someone that goes to museums and would recommend going to a museum high as a sort of an added value or? yeah i i mean look
1: i've had i've had very good times in museums uh a little stoned i've even the Sistine Chapel once, I think actually, I do recommend all that stuff, but I don't recommend necessarily. I mean, actually in general, I try not to recommend people do anything. I recommend you follow your own path. Um, But I do think that something I've talked to people on the show uh, about who are musicians are like, uh, like I had my friend uh, Francis Starlight on the show from Francis and the lights and we were talking about like why, like why this like enduring association between rap and weed, like whole, basically the entire run of uh, rap being popular in America, it's been associated with weed. And I actually believe that because a lot of rap is created under the influence of marijuana, it also goes well with being listened to while smoking marijuana. I think that there is sort of like a brain meld kinship uh possible and so i do think like a lot of things that you might find in a museum parallel well with that or an art show or wherever um but particularly i would say art that's created in that mode i mean i think that there's like a like a you know certain like psychedelic comics and animation that came out those waves really like came about because of larger things that were happening with psychedelia and the culture. So I think it's not just a like, hey, it's great to go like look at a movie when you're high. It's like, what happens to the larger uh, culture when marijuana becomes one of its influences? And I think you're definitely going to see that happening as marijuana becomes legal in America, just like it happened in the 1960s and 70s where it became a driving force in pop culture and music and art.
0: It's interesting because you know I'm sort of thinking about Art History 101. I mean, with with the exception of maybe some artists, particularly notably contemporary artists, like there, there really isn't a lot of discussion about, you know, whether X artist was an alcoholic when they were making their work or, you know, took LSD or whatever. It is sort of isolated from, like a lot of context is isolated from the work itself and sort of is on the museum as sort of this like pure art historical object that would that, that has nothing to do with the outside world and god forbid you know the artist was drunk let alone high when they were painting this you know it's kind of interesting to think about that
2: yeah we don't get that context or if you do get the context it would be somebody like i hope this is his name maybe you know this guy alex gray He used to have like a sort of temple slash he basically like took lsd all the time and made these paintings that were you oh, know yeah. like human bodies He might have done artwork for tool that band um but uh you know, you would you would hear drug use discussed in that context because the work is specifically psychedelic, or what you would it looks like what you would expect from a drug induced artwork. But it, it's also interesting to to think about other work that was made or benefited from pot or other drugs, but that doesn't necessarily read as like trippy or psychedelic per se.
1: I mean, I think that there's a connection historically, just uh, into the transcendent sort of religious experience and this idea of. Um, whatever you know whatever is touching you when you painted the sistine chapel or anything like that like the way to describe that through most of human history is through the religious experience and that um people would go into a rapturous trance state and that's like widely widely influenced world music and world visual art and i don't think we're talking about something like way outside of a drug experience when you look at not i don't mean like the religious experience like going to church on sunday in your village in 1600 i mean the like religious experience of like i'm supposed to paint the ceiling of the like most famous chapel in the world like what what is the uh what is the prompt there and i think the prompt is to like paint something i think there's a reason that like uh alex gray you like you cited or people who started painting these like frescoes in the 60s and 70s were reacting in a similar way to painters in um, the renaissance when they were tasked with like blow people's fucking mind here like let's let's like let's go crazy you know Um, and I think that nowadays um, all of that stuff is kind of like colliding into one hole so I don't really like I'm not interested in any like drug art per se like (laughs) that sounds terrible Uh, (laughs) but I think most of the people like I think a significant number of the people who are like painting in Los Angeles right now use marijuana So in a hundred years when um, they're having the like art history hollow podcast, probably like that's going to be a relevant thing to think about. Like what changed in um, Los Angeles uh, circa 2010, uh, marijuana became legalized there.
2: I could also see it being not a huge deal. I mean, it is because it's it's not like DMT, right? It's like, you know, you're not saying, oh, this artist, you're not talking about how much coffee they drank or even how much alcohol they drank. I see a point in the future where it's just so accepted that, you know, it's yep. not even it's not even part of the biography or the explanation.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's interesting, too, because I'm definitely not as plugged into to sort of the, the debates that are happening within, you know, the we communities as you are. Aaron. But I know that there are conversations about when as as it becomes legal concerns around commodification and professionalization of, of the industry, like it becoming sort of, you know, anyone can think of major like alcohol or tobacco companies that don't behave well or are, or unethical. And that also being something that marijuana companies do as well. And it's kind of interesting because, you know, our producer Abby sent us a, a, an article from Psychology Today about, you know, tr- using marijuana to like treat, in quotation marks, people who aren't as creative um and that potentially becoming a thing as well. And that sort of struck me as interesting where it becomes, you know, prescribed as part of a regimen that's like very orderly and precise to allow you to do something that most people associate with being freewheeling and imprecise and chaotic. So I'm just sort of wondering, you know, where do you sort of see these kind of conversations and debates going as they pertain to art, as it pertain to creativity in the future?
1: I mean, I think that that is a very relevant debate about, um, you know, people who are, influential and marijuana movements in the past getting sort of pushed out by the like big business. I'm unfortunately a bit cynical about it, which is I think that large capitalism generally wins in America. So, um, you know, I'd like to believe otherwise, but, um, but in terms of like people who aren't, who, who struggle with creativity, um, actually, I don't really know that much about that. I do think it's fascinating. Like I've met people who have underwent like MDMA, like, therapy and i think that kind of stuff is like pretty interesting a lot of it seems like it's ultimately aimed at people being able to step outside themselves and to um have an experience of the world that's not dominated by whatever is dominating their everyday experience of the world and i think that you can access those kinds of things through travel and you can access them uh, through therapy and you can access them potentially through drug experiences and maybe some combination of all three, like drug therapy in Hawaii or something. Um, but I definitely think that, you know, in the future, I expect that people will be using substances to like in some, in some manner to, um, experience a reality outside their own. And that, You know, that also starts to touch on like stuff like Oculus Rift VR goggle kind of stuff. Um, All that stuff seems to be like it's all like circling around this idea of um, providing people with an experience outside of their own. And um, that's, I think, what the marijuana experience is for a lot of people and why a lot of people are like find it creatively engaging.
2: On a practical level, I was curious to get your thoughts because in the piece Alexa wrote, she talks to a few artists. She talks to Fred Thomaselli. She talks to Gina Beavers. I think both of them kind of – Gina had said, you know, she might smoke before she goes to bed. Kind of these ideas will gestate that that then later she'll make a painting out of. But she's not necessarily high in the yeah. studio, right? Fred Tomaselli kind of said the same thing. Like he's using it as like to maybe to break up a creative block. Do you find that a lot of creative people might smoke in that sort of brainstorming phase but then when they get down to work – it's better to have like a clear mind or does it is it all over the map as far as that goes?
1: I kind of remember reading like a, a David Lynch book. I feel like it's called like Catching the Fish, Catching the Big Fish or something like that. That's familiar, yeah. It's basically about his, his experiences with transcendental meditation, which I think has similarities to the marijuana experience and is actually, as far as I understand, it's so similar that you are advised not to smoke marijuana while you're doing transit, like basically smoking marijuana blocks transcendental meditation from working in the
2: estimation of transcendental meditators. So you're getting like naturally high or that
1: kind of, or like, yeah, or like you're, it's basically both of them about trying to get your brain in a specific state. And they're like, if you're putting your brain in this specific state, otherwise you won't be able to reach that state through transcendental meditation. I've never done transcendental meditation, but the way he uses this is to come up with ideas and images. So he like, like he'll say, like, I just had this idea for an image and like Mulholland drive all starts from this image of this corpse uh, uh, in this apartment that that just came to me in this. And I think that there are some people who use marijuana in that kind of a way to sort of generate new ideas that they want to come back to. And then I think there's other people who do the exact opposite, which is spend a lot of time, you know, detailed planning out what they're going to do and then might use marijuana to sort of get through the manual labor like, you know, painting the backgrounds, uh, element of it. And, you know, otherwise I think there's people who aren't so organized or maybe haven't even thought that through and are just kind of, uh, feeling around in the dark. And that's probably the most, uh, common experience. But I do think you brought up the Tao Lin thing. And I I do think that the people who are the most organized and really are like, uh, are bringing a process to it often are using it in that kind of way as a specific sort of idea generation portion of their day. I have a I have a friend named Craig Maud who um is involved in bookmaking and he talks a lot about this sort of generative part of making art and then the. I don't remember what the other one's like called, the, but the the, the, the doing or, yeah. the doing part and how his process really changed when he started separating those and saying like Monday I'm gonna do this, Tuesday I'm gonna do that. And I think marijuana often will serve in that kind of way as like a the the line in the sand between two worlds. <laughs>
0: All right, Scott, so where in the art world are you going to be drinking white wine
2: this week? Um, I'm going to recommend um, another show that already opened at 303 Gallery, Stephen Shore, is a body of new work that he took with the digital camera. Um, Kind of interesting pictures of like detritus on the ground and cigarette butts and dirt and leaves and twigs, but um, interesting. And, uh, you know, he obviously has a show up at MoMA as well, but this is a little bit different.
0: And Aaron, what about you?
1: Uh, I have a five-week-old, which means I have, been seeing i have not been smoking any marijuana nor have i been going to any art shows (laughs) um but i will um i will give a rainy day white wine pick um which is a art book um called altered states the library of julio santo domingo um julio santo domingo was i would say the preeminent uh collector of psychedelic uh artworks and books and ephemera uh dating back hundreds of years um and he created basically a house that housed his massive collection of this stuff and the book just documents all the stuff that he collected i think i actually do think there is a show of it somewhere in england but i cannot pretend that i've been to that show i can pretend that i have the book which i do and it's really excellent i highly recommend checking it out
0: i will be checking out the david hockney retrospective at the met um i don't know i love his i know it's cliche but his pool drawings love him can't well okay
1: people. so i saw that that was happening but what um what like is this a career hockney retrospective or is I it specific so. period
0: this is a major retrospective uh david hockney is turning 80 or turned 80 um he's been an artist for for like six decades now and, and this is a big look back i know there's going to be huge crowds there because he's he's so famous so influential but I'll brave them, and I, I don't have to pay a out-of-state membership fee because I live in New York.
2: But to anyone listening who doesn't, might want to go before March 1st because that's when, if you're an out-of-state resident, it'll be $25.
0: All right, I think that's a good place to leave it. Thanks so much to Scott and Aaron for joining me here this week. Uh, please remember to rate and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts if you haven't already, and... Also check out Stoner if
1: you haven't. And I have a I have a uh, I'm allowed am I have a new podcast? Am I allowed to plug it? Plug it. I have a new podcast called Coin Talk. It's uh, done in partnership with Medium. It's about the weird world of uh, virtual currencies like Bitcoin, etc. Check that is it,
2: out. it is it good for total neophytes? You know it nothing. is. It's
1: it's aimed at people who are um uh, yes uh, crypto amateurs, but it's not cryptocurrency and pot together <laughs> uh if you like if it you if you make like an art like a, a jammed together rss feed of all of my podcasts so you can get that get that experience or just play them both at the same time if you feel like
0: there's got to be a there's got to be a weed cryptocurrency right like Potcoin or something
1: there that was literally true
0: that is the person who sent dennis rodman to um, north korea last time was there we go
2: the Wait, let's talk about that for 30
0: minutes <laughs> <laughs> let's roll right into part two please if you have any feedback for us we'd love to hear from you The email is podcast at artsy.net. See you next time. Our producer this week, as always, Associate Editor Abigail Kane. The theme music is by Broke for free.